This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Good morning, Dan and Amy. So we're uh, less than a week away from President Trump's State of the Union address. We're just a few days removed from his uh, compromise proposal, uh, which was, again, comprehensive in nature on the issue of border security and uh, offered three-year extensions of legal residence in this country to a million persons who have a DACA or temporary permanent status designation. Uh, un- unbelievable. <laughs> and they still didn't bite. The Democrats still are digging in their heels. And then we're going to have these uh, dual proposals to end the shutdown through the Senate tomorrow, mm-hmm. which are largely symbolic because all the actions in the House. And so uh, the partial shutdown will continue as far as the eye can see, I suppose. Yeah, and there's a lot of furlough frustration, especially from the FBI. The president of their union came out yesterday, Dan, and said that uh, our national security is at risk. They said there's serious damage done to their counterterrorism and anti-gang operation. Realistically, FBI agents should not have to go work at a store stocking shelves because they can't feed their families on their government job. They're still working 50 plus hours a, a, day, a week. So when are they gonna find time to go get that second job? It's ridiculous. And members of the Coast Guard, I mean, think about it. We are the richest country in the world and we're not paying a branch of our military. We're five plus weeks into the anxiety and stress of this government lapse and your non-pay. You, as members of the armed forces, should not be expected to shoulder this burden. I find it unacceptable that Coast Guard men and women have to rely on food pantries and donations to get through day-to-day life as service members. Mm. Um, Yes, uh, well, there's a proposal on the table that's been rejected out of hand, so you can leverage the media as much as you want, the media that's interested to tell those stories in such a way as to direct opprobrium at President Trump. But he's the one that's moved. He's the one that's made an offer, an offer that was rejected before he finished making it. Yeah, so, ridiculous. So take your case to Pelosi and Schumer. Take your case to Pelosi and Pagliacci. Well, hopefully they were listening. More on this topic. We're pleased to be joined by Hans von Spakovsky. He is a senior legal fellow for the Heritage Foundation, former FEC commission and commissioner and former lawyer, for DOJ. Hans, thanks for joining us, and Appreciate it. Hey, Dan. Hey, Amy. Thanks for having me on. So um, your perspective on the compromise that Trump offered over the weekend and uh, the uh, response that it generated from Pelosi and company? Well, I can't say I like the compromise because I don't think you should even consider any kind of amnesty or benefits for people who are in the country illegally until You've uh, secured the border and also uh, improved enforcement in the interior of the of the country. The reason being that, um, look, any kind of amnesty deal uh, brings in and attracts even more illegal aliens. You know, that's what happened in 1986 mm-hmm. uh, when Ronald Reagan agreed to a compromise with the Democrats. And I don't know if you all recall the deal back then was he said, OK, 
will provide amnesty and citizenship for the illegal aliens in the country. But in exchange, I want the money to secure the border. So he agreed to that deal. Uh, They provided uh, citizenship to almost 3 million illegal aliens, which supposedly everybody said, oh, this will solve the problem. We won't have any more illegal aliens coming into the country. And then the Democrats (laughs) didn't carry out their part of the deal. They didn't provide the appropriations for uh, better security and increased interior enforcement. And that's why, you know, offering amnesty uh, before you've actually secured the border is a bad idea. But look, even even though the president made the deal, the Democrats have already, as you said, summarily rejected it. So how long do you think that this uh, standoff is going to continue? I mean, how many more people do we have to see on TV crying or... You know, watching them line up at food banks and all that. Well, you know, a lot of that is, I think, a little bit exaggerated. It's not that I don't have sympathy for federal employees, but remember, the first paycheck they missed was only uh, a week ago, mid-January, because they get paid every two weeks. So you have to wonder about folks who say that uh, when they've, they're they one week late with a paycheck, they're suddenly at food banks. I mean, that doesn't quite make sense. Um, look, the president's very adamant about that because he believes our national security is at risk, and we have, frankly, hordes of illegal aliens in caravans headed for the border trying to get across. So I, I don't know if and when this is going to get resolved. You know, one thing that might might uh, uh, get us out of this crisis mode is if the president goes ahead and does what he threatened to do two weeks ago, which is declare a national emergency and find money that's already been appropriated elsewhere for the government and use it for this. Everybody should remember three quarters of the government is up, running, and funded. It's only about a quarter that's not funded, which includes the Department of Homeland Security and the Justice Department. And uh, just on the invocation of his emergency powers uh, to uh, provide the funding he wants for border security, there's been some debate, including in conservative circles, about whether that is constitutional or not. That would be a constitutional action. Your perspective as a former DOJ attorney is what? Uh, there's actually a federal statute passed by Congress that uh, uh, explains how a president can declare a national emergency. And the key to it being legal and constitutional would be, if he did this under the statute, finding funds that have already been appropriated by Congress but aren't geared for specific projects that he can legally use for this. And I actually think there are funds like that available, one of the biggest sources would be the Army Corps of Engineers. You know, they're, they're given billions of dollars, and they have billions of dollars, for civilian construction projects across the country. And a lot of those aren't geared to specific projects. It's up to the Corps to determine what to use that money for. And I think that's actually a potential source for the president. We spent so much time uh, this week on the Covington High Catholic High School case and the media's reporting um, and somewhat lost in the shuffle was over the weekend, BuzzFeeding getting chided by Bob Mueller's uh, special counsel investigative team for their story that Michael Cohen was going to testify or that the special counsel's office has evidence that Donald Trump directed him to lie to Congress, an allegation of subornation of perjury, which would mean the end of the Trump administration. Hooray. We can't wait. 
and uh, the rare pronouncement from Team Mueller that the BuzzFeed story was inaccurate uh, and a lot of the, the surrounding questions. BuzzFeed, of course, stands by the story because what consequences do they have, even if it turns out to be wrong, like all the other outlets that have uh, put forth phony baloney bombshells over the last two years. But uh, some suggestion, and my thought was, well, if uh, Mueller is making the statement to reject the BuzzFeed story, I wonder if that's in part because they wanted to make it clear that those unnamed law enforcement sources that BuzzFeed relied on weren't coming from inside Mueller's house. They were coming from somewhere else. What was your reaction to the Mueller statement uh, on the BuzzFeed story? Well, what what Mueller said was that the BuzzFeed story was inaccurate, which I, as you said, it's it's very rare for a federal prosecutor to issue a statement contesting a media report. That, to me, raises serious credibility issues about the truthfulness of the BuzzFeed story. But I also think you're correct that um, – uh, Mueller wanted to ensure that no one thinks it's coming out of his office, and there's a there's a good reason for that. The reason being that uh, it is a violation of federal law to disclose grand jury evidence, grand jury material. And I'm sure Mueller didn't want anyone thinking that someone inside his office was doing that if there is any, any kind of evidence uh, like that, because leaks from law enforcement officials particularly Justice Department lawyers, like the lawyers in the council, special counsel's office, uh, they could get into serious jeopardy, and it could cause all kinds of problems for his investigation if that was happening. Speaking of that, uh, also lost in the shuffle of the same case, Covington, is, uh, and so, to some extent, the BuzzFeed story even before that, the story of Bruce Orr's testimony, as so memorialized by Kim Strasso, we don't have the full transcript yet, but Kim Strasso has proved fairly reliable. Uh, and the issue of Bruce Orr's testimony to Congress last fall, uh, where he did brief, according to him, senior officials at FBI and DOJ about the dossier. He did warn them about the uh, unverified nature of the Steele dossier, making all of these assertions that prompted this these investigations, including a counter intel investigation, the president some sort of Russian agent, apparently. And uh, we come to find that among those he briefed are two were two attorneys at Department of Justice who are now part of Mueller's special counsel investigative team. How problematic is that, if true? That is a huge problem, because if if, in fact, it is correct that the FISA applications, these are the applications to obtain warrants to engage in electronic surveillance of the Trump campaign. Um, if, if those applications were uh, full of lies and were misleading, because the applications require that the FBI and DOJ certify that they have basically verified and checked the information that they're asserting in there, and if that wasn't true, it was simply the dossier was unverified, then that is a major abuse of the federal statute that governs this. Um, all of the FBI agents and the lawyers involved uh, need to be punished, uh, potentially fired for doing that, potentially prosecuted, and it throws into question uh, the entire basis for opening that investigation. That is a very, very serious abuse of law enforcement authority. 
He is Hans von Spakowski, Senior Legal Fellow for the Heritage Foundation, former FEC Commissioner and DOJ Attorney. Hans, thanks as always for joining us. Appreciate it. Sure. Thanks for having me. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Listen to podcasts of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile.